Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Before I take you in the Word of God, I want to take you for just a moment in your imagination. I hope your imagination's sanctified, but I want to take you halfway around the world, and I want to take you back in time, 2,000 years, and I want you to stand in somebody else's sandals, if you will. I want you to find a place in a field outside the little town of Bethlehem. Two weeks ago today, I preached in Bethlehem. Uh, We had a group of people there on a Bible study tour of the Holy Land, and it was orchestrated so that our Lord's Day meeting, our worship service, would be in the shepherd's fields. And I stood with a field behind me that is known as the field of Boaz. You know the name of Boaz? If you read the Old Testament book of Ruth, you'll get really acquainted with him. And standing there, looking at those people and looking around me at those fields, I went back in my mind to that night, middle of the night. Isn't it wonderful how Jesus' light always pierces the darkness? Middle of the night it was. And in a moment of time, a choir showed up. I liked this choir this morning. The choir today did a good job. But I want you to know, you never heard a choir like the choir those shepherds heard that night. And suddenly the glory of God was revealed to them. It wasn't the place that made it so special. It was the person that was being announced that night, and that was the person of Jesus Christ. And i got to be honest with you, for the last two weeks, I've been kind of stuck in Bethlehem. I've been in my mind just rehearsing again and again and again what happened that night. And this thought kept coming to me, why shepherds? I mean, frankly, of of all the people living in Israel at the time, it could have been anyone. There were lots of religious people there. There were even people who were were waiting with great expectancy for Messiah there. There were lots lots of people that were closer to the temple there. And why in Bethlehem? Why why not six miles away? That's all it was, six miles away in Jerusalem. Why in Bethlehem? And I believe the answer is found in the great theme of all of Scripture. In fact, I'll show you this tonight if you'll come back. It really didn't begin in the New Testament. It began way back in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, and it just culminates and climaxes in the revelation of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. But the theme of all of Scripture is this great drama of redemption, that God became a man without ever ceasing to be God so that he could bring man to God. And there had to be a sacrifice. In the words of John the Baptist, behold the lamb. And who better would know a lamb than a shepherd? Would you open your Bible with me, please, this morning to the gospel according to Luke? You find, of course, the great story of the incarnation in Matthew and in Luke, but Luke perhaps... I. I would assume at least, is the most familiar, the most famous to most people. We'll read just a portion of it. Look at Luke chapter number 2. We know that they've come to Bethlehem. And uh, 
It is in this place prophesied by Micah 700 years before, Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, that Messiah would be born. And the Bible says in verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And, aren't you glad for God's and? Even the conjunction is a revelation. And there were in the same country shepherds. Would you circle that in your Bible? Shepherds. Abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I, I've written in the margin of my Bible next to verse number 11, where it said, A Savior, Christ the Lord. I've written these words in my Bible, A Lamb. You see, the Savior had to be a sacrifice. And so in the middle of the night, God's message came to a bunch of dirty, stinking, lowly shepherds. The three major world religions, did you know all three of them have a lamb in their religion? All three of them. Now, there is the Christian faith, of course, and that's what we hold to what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk more about the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world this morning, what the Scripture says about that. And then there is Judaism. And just days ago, I stood next to the Wailing Wall, and I watched a great number of Hasidic Jews there as they placed their hand on the wall and went through the motions and mechanics of of their prayer. They're seeking something. They're searching something. Frankly, my heart broke as I thought about people who are so close and so far away, people who have the Old Testament Scripture but miss the New Testament fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. And what are they waiting on? They're waiting on a lamb. They're waiting on a sacrifice. And it dawned on me, if they're still waiting on the lamb, would somebody please tell me why they're not still sacrificing lambs on the Temple Mount? The answer is there's no temple there. In fact, on that Temple Mount now is the Dome of the Rock, and one of the most famous mosques in the world is on top of that mountain. There, there is no temple there now where the altar could be, where the sacrifices could be slain. And why is that? Because look, please, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came as the final, full, forever sacrifice for sins, and God never intended that the sacrifice of those sheep would continue on that Temple Mount. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that. And then the third major world religion is Islam. One of my dear friends who's now with Jesus, who is a dear friend of this ministry and someone that we all loved, said to me with a great passion for that part of the world and for those people, he said, Scott, do you know that Muslim people are, are seeking a lamb, that, that in, their, in their faith they're looking for a lamb, they're looking for a sacrifice? And I said to my friend, well, who do they think it is? And he said, they don't know. They're searching for someone, but they don't know who it is for something, but they don't know where it will come from. It's almost like there is built into the heart of every sinner on earth a desire to have a sacrifice. 
It's almost like there is inside of every one of us some spiritual intuition, some spiritual awakening that says that an innocent must die for the guilty. I came to tell you this morning on the authority of the Word of God that Jesus Christ is that Lamb of God. When the New Testament opens, where is the Lamb? The Lamb is in Bethlehem. And when the New Testament closes, where is the Lamb? The Lamb is in the New Jerusalem. Anybody looking forward to seeing the Lamb in the New Jerusalem? But for now, for now, let's, let's look at the Lamb in Bethlehem because He's here. May I give you two or three things? I'd like you to write them down so you can meditate on them this week, so you can talk about them in the car on your way home today and converse with your children and grandchildren over, over Christmas dinner about it. In fact, when I finish preaching in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask everybody in this room to respond, everybody. And if you say, well, I'm not responding, then you've already made your response. I'm going to ask you to respond in one of two ways, and you say, which one will be mine? You'll know when we get there which one applies to you. But the reality is you can't be neutral on Jesus. Look, when the lamb shows up, you have to do something with the lamb. So first of all, I want you to come with me to the fields. Would you come with me to the fields? They call them the shepherd's fields. You can go to the shepherd's fields right now. Bethlehem is much larger now than it was in Jesus' day. Uh, many thousands of people there now. And the crowded streets that we went through, I just imagined in my mind what it was like for Joseph and Mary looking for a place to stay and going to the inn and there's no room in the inn. And suddenly they're shuffled off to a place uh, to where there is a manger and, and a place, a shelter from, from the cold of that winter's night and some place for Mary to give birth to the child. But very close only about a mile from where traditionally they say Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. Only a mile away. You can actually see one location from the other. Only about a mile away, there's a group of fields where those shepherds were keeping their flock by night. There's a cave there, in fact, that they believed that shepherds would, would hide in, that they would take shelter in. And these particular sheep were unique. I'll explain that to you more in just a moment. These sheep were not just there. In the flocks at certain parts of the year, they were there year-round. But these sheep were not just any sheep. They were special sheep. And in those fields, God sent his message. The town is called Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. <laughs> I'm thinking in my mind now how the Lord Jesus Christ would stand up and say, I am the bread of life. Did it ever dawn on you that the bread of life came to the house of bread? In Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, the full name of the town is Bethlehem Ephrata. Ephrata means fruitful. It means abundant. I love this. Look, God doesn't just have a little bread. God has a whole lot of bread. Jesus Christ is not the Savior for some. He's the Savior for every man. It's, it's a reminder of the abundant fruitfulness of our God, that he is the God of sufficiency and the God of supply. He is the God of enough and the God of more than enough. And where did he enter this world? Where did he come to humanity? In a place called Bethlehem Ephrata. Those fields were important because those fields were connected to royalty. In fact, Bethlehem is known, you know it, say it with me, the city of who, please? The city of David, right? 
Because that's where David grew up. David had kept sheep in those same fields. Do you remember when the prophet Samuel, when the preacher showed up at Jesse's house to anoint the, the second king of Israel and lined all the boys up and said, these aren't them. You got anybody else? He said, well, we got one little boy, 17 years old. He's out in the field watching the sheep. He said, we won't sit down till he comes. Bring him in. And they sent for David. Where did he come from? He came from those same fields. It's the city of royalty. It's the place where the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of glory, the King of eternity would come to humanity. And it's not just fields of royalty, it's fields of redemption because it was in those same fields where Boaz had his flocks and here she comes. Can you see her? Ruth coming with Naomi from the far country. She's an outsider, an outcast. Her husband is dead, and, and she, she has debt hanging over her head, and she has nothing much to look forward to. But in those fields, one of the greatest romances in history happened. That is where Boaz bought and paid for everything that belonged to Ruth and brought Ruth into a relationship with himself. And that's the very fields where it was announced that the kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come to this planet. When you come to those fields, I want you to know, you might think they're just common fields. There's nothing common when God shows up. All ground is holy ground when the Lord Jesus Christ is there. And when you come to those fields, you're coming to the fields, please don't miss this, listen to me carefully, where the sheep were being raised for sacrifice in Jerusalem. Do you understand that the sheep in the fields at Bethlehem were special sheep? Now, there's shepherds all over Israel. As a matter of fact, when I was just there, there's still Bedouin people driving their flocks. I mean, we saw them out in those pasture areas driving their flocks, little boys with shepherd staffs. I mean, exactly like you always imagined, it's still going on. There were, there were places like that all over the land of the Bible, but Bethlehem was different. Bethlehem was special. It was six miles. That's it, six miles from the city of Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there the temple was, and there the priests were, and there the sacrifice sacrifice were slain. In fact, two lambs died every day in Jerusalem. Every morning there was a sacrifice. Every evening there was a sacrifice. That's a lot of lambs being slain. And then, then, that's to say nothing of Passover, which was just a short time away from the birth of Christ. On the Passover, they say, they say and estimate that because those people were coming from all over, bringing their lambs and bringing their animals, they estimate that perhaps as many as 260,000 lambs were slaughtered during Passover week. I want you to imagine all the little lambs that had to be raised so they could be sacrificed. Oh, I love this glorious thought. And six miles away from the place of sacrifice, there was a place of separation where these little lambs were being raised. And why were they being raised? For one purpose, so that they could be offered to God as a reminder that they needed their sins forgiven. But blessed be God, the writer of Hebrews says, that the lamb's blood and the sheep's blood and the goat's blood could never make a final offering for sin. And that is why Jesus Christ came to earth. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Why did Christ come not to be a lamb, but to be the lamb? 
Revelation says the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Let me tell you what that means. It means before God ever made Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, in the mind of God the Father, his own son was already on that cross. It means this was not God's backup plan. It was not his emergency, last-minute shot to save humanity. This was the eternal purpose of redemption from the very beginning. God knew that man would rebel against his love and his law. God knew that man would like a sheep, choose his own way and go the wrong direction. And so God, from the very beginning, made provision that a lamb would come to save us from our sins. And I just want to stop and say, thank you, Jesus, for coming to those fields to save a bunch of wayward sheep like us. When you come to the fields in Bethlehem, you're beginning to get a little glimpse of why the lamb came there. That's not all. I want you not just to come to the fields. I'd like you to consider the shepherds for just a moment. Would you consider the shepherds? Because they're just common folks. I, I live in the, in the mountains of West Virginia. We do wear shoes there. Isn't that nice to know? We have all of our teeth, and I, no matter what you've heard. But I grew up around just common people. How many common people are here today? Would you raise your hand, all you common people? Good. Let me let you in on a little secret. We're all common people. You say, well, you don't know my family lineage. L yes, I do. You came from Adam, right? Which means you're a sinner. See, we get to think pretty highly of ourselves, don't we? <laughs> Excuse me. We get that stinking pride in us, and we really start to think we are something. Let me tell you what we are. We are balls of dirt that God <laughs> breathed life into. We're all common people, and I don't know about you, but it thrills me to think that the God of the universe, the high and holy creator of all things, would stoop to come to common men. There's a lot of wealth in this area where God has allowed you to live, but isn't it fascinating that God would come to poor people like those shepherds? Do you know what they were? They were the exact opposite of the wise men. The exact opposite. And, and for the record, I like this. God called the wise men in the same way he called the shepherds. Aren't you glad that, that God loves rich and poor, high and low, a Jew and Gentile, educated and uneducated? Look, those that are near and those that are far, God loves you if you're religious and God loves you if you're not religious. God loves you if you're up, and he loves you if you're down. God loves you if you think you got it all together or if you really feel like it's coming apart at the seams. God loves all people, and Christ came to die for every man. And the shepherds are a reminder to us that the Lord reaches all the way down to those that others despise. In fact, in reading about ancient shepherds, did you know uh, that as a general rule, they were so despised, even in their society, they were like the bottom rung. It's like, you know, yeah, that's the real down and outers. I mean, they're out in the fields. In fact, they were not considered to be trustworthy witnesses in court. Think about that just a minute. Shepherds were not allowed to be called as witnesses in court because they thought they're just a bunch of liars and they don't know anything. Bunch of ignoramuses. Isn't this fascinating? You want to talk about a revelation of the mercy and grace of Almighty God, that God would take the very people that were considered to be untrustworthy people and entrust them with the greatest message on planet Earth. 
and make them arguably the first witnesses to the birth of his son. I'm going to tell you what that is. That is the mercy of God. By the way, this is all mercy. Every bit of it's mercy. I love the fact that in our singing today, we did not just go to the manger. We were taken all the way to the empty tomb. Could I recommend you do that? This Christmas, don't, don't stop in Bethlehem. No, no, no. you got to get all the way over to Jerusalem and walk inside that garden tomb. I was there just a few weeks ago as well, and I went inside. I've heard people say, he's not there. He was there. When I was there, Jesus was there. He was living inside of me. His body's not there. Christ is alive and well. What is it? This is all a revelation of the mercy of our great God. These shepherds were not just any shepherds. They were actually rabbinical shepherds. Remember, I said to you, the sheep were being raised for sacrifice, for slaughter. Well, it wasn't just any shepherd that was allowed to keep them. Who was it? It was shepherds that knew the law. It was shepherds that understood all the Old Testament specifications and regulations. These were, these were rabbis, if you will, in the field. They were a bunch of, bunch of people that knew the truth. Oh, I love this thought. And God, who is truth, says, I'm going to show you some truth like you've never seen it before, boys. Look at all those sheep. Look at them. Look at all those sheep out there. They're being raised. And God showed up and said, I want to show you the lamb. Come with me, fellas. You you won't have to go far, just about a mile. There's a lamb, God's lamb. This always was interesting to me, but I never got it. Would you look, please, at verse number 12? Look back at verse number 12. We, we stopped in verse 11. He says, and this shall be a sign unto you. How many of you see that in your Bible? Would you raise your hand? A sign. Mark that in your Bible and mark it in your thinking. It's a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You ever wonder why that was the sign? I'd like to tell you. Do you know what the process was for the sheep that were being raised by rabbinical shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem? Would you like to know the process by which these little lambs came into the world and then were prepared for slaughter and sacrifice at the temple? They, they had a little process they went through. See if this sounds vaguely familiar to you. When a lamb was born in the shepherd's fields outside Bethlehem, those rabbinical priestly shepherds would take the little lamb and wrap it in strips of cloth. And then they would take the little lamb wrapped in strips of cloth and they would lay it, would you like to guess, in a manger. The manger was, was not what we see. Typically we see some little wooden box, you know, hay sticking out of it. That was not the, the manger of that day. I saw when I was there the other day uh, one, of the, one of the ancient mangers. It's a big stone, piece of stone cut out, kind of dug out with room for things to lie in. And they would take this little lamb, this newborn lamb, they would wrap it in strips of cloth, swaddling clothes, and they would lay it there in the manger until the priest who was in charge could come by and inspect that lamb lamb to make sure that it had no flaw or blemish on it so that then it qualified to become one of the redemption lambs, one of the sacrificial lambs. Oh, I love this glorious thought. Would you like to know who was lying in swaddling clothes in that manger in Bethlehem that night? God's holy lamb was there. And for the record, he was not just lamb, he was also priest. 
And he came as the sinless sacrifice for sin. Come to the fields and consider the shepherds, but don't stop there, my friend. If all you learn today is Bible geography or something about men, we miss the point. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Might I say to you, don't just come to the fields and consider the shepherds, but you concentrate on the lamb. Who is the lamb? Look at him, please. Through the lens of Scripture and through eyes of faith, look at the lamb of God. Wasn't that John the Baptist's message? Behold the lamb. Look at him. And in another verse, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Look, please. He is God's Lamb. How many of you believe he's God's Lamb? And the question is not, is he God's Lamb? The question is, is he your Lamb? See, it's one thing for you to believe Jesus came, and it's another thing for you to know he's come to live inside of you. It is one thing for you to believe that he's God's chosen one who came to earth to save us from our sins, and quite another that that has become a living reality in your own heart. Behold the Lamb of God, watch this, which taketh away the sin of the world. Look, it's one thing to believe that he died for every man and on the cross paid what payment was required for the sins of the world. But I want to ask you, do you know for certain that he has taken away your sins? Because until you know that, you really don't know the lamb. Do you know where this story all started? This story didn't start in the gospel records. This story started in Genesis, in the book of beginnings. In Genesis chapter number 22, God said to Abraham, Abraham, yes, take your son, your only son, only begotten. Take him on a mountain. What mountain, Lord? Moriah. You know what mountain that is today? It's the mountain where Jerusalem is. Jerusalem is a city built on seven hills, but one of the mountains in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, is Mount Moriah. Take him to Mount Moriah, all right? Sacrifice him. What? The one you love. By the way, first mention of love in the Bible, Genesis 22. First mention. Now, God has always loved, has been loved from the very beginning because it's not what he does, it's who he is. But the first mention of love in Scripture was connected to sacrifice, a father giving his son. Isn't that interesting? Law of first mention. Take your son that you love and go up on the mountain. And so there they go. And they leave their servant. And now Abraham and Isaac are making their way up that mountain. And Isaac, the only begotten son, looks at his daddy and says to his father, Father, I see the knife. And I see we got the wood for the sacrifice. It looks like we got everything, but we're missing one thing. Father, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And one of the most famous statements in all of Scripture, Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb. By the way, I wish I had time to show you. He did. It's Old Testament. Somebody said, are you an Old Testament believer or a New Testament believer? Yes. I believe the Word of God. In the Old Testament, 
gives us a picture and a foreshadow of the perfect fulfillment that would come in the New Testament. We, we find it in seed form in Genesis and in fully developed form in the gospel records. But please don't miss the lamb. Look at the lamb. He is God's divine provision for our sins. He is the Father's sacrifice through love. Look at the lamb. And by the way, while you're looking at the lamb, why don't you take a look at yourself? Because the Word of God is not just a telescope on some far-off God. It's a mirror on us right where we are. In fact, let me prove it. Hold your place here. Hold your place, would you? We're coming right back. Go in the Old Testament to Isaiah 53 with me for just a minute, would you please? Look at Isaiah chapter 53. This was hundreds of years before Bethlehem, but it was in the eternal purpose and plan of Almighty God. Isaiah 53 is the great redemption chapter. It is the great prophecy of the Savior coming. And notice why he had to come. Isaiah 53 and verse number 6, all we like what? Sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. <laughs> Time out. Look at it just a second. You know we all are? We all are just black-hearted, hell-deserving sinners. We're all a bunch of rebels. That's what we are. Don't look at me. You're not allowed to look at me. Everybody turn and look at your neighbor for a second. Would you turn? I want you to stare at the person you're sitting next to today. And if you sat next to the wrong person, that's your fault, not mine. All right? So look at them just a second. I want you to know you're looking at a certified sinner right now. That's what you're looking at. And by the way, don't get too pious. They're looking at a certified sinner too. And let's really get down to it. Lift your head and look me in the eye, would you please? You're looking right here at a certified sinner. You can, you can dress a guy up and give him a Bible and let him preach sermons and stand on a platform for church. It doesn't really matter. Look, please, we are all sinners in desperate need of the mercy of Almighty God. We're all just a bunch of dirty, stubborn, rebellious, wayward sheep who want our own way. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. By the way, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If you follow that way all the way to the very end, you get to death and not to life. But look at the rest of it. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look, please, all of your sin, all of it, look, please, all of your sin laid on Jesus. All of it. Not some of it. Some of you right now are living under guilt and condemnation over something. Do you understand that when Jesus died, all of your sins were future? All of your sins and the sins of all of us were laid on Jesus Christ. I'm not preaching to some people in this room. I'm preaching to everybody in this room. Because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all of your sin required a payment. All of it, every bit of it. One sin would keep you out of God's perfect heaven and out of his holy presence. So all of your sin had to be dealt with. That's why a Savior had to come. Don't miss this. All of your sin laid on Jesus. And then all of God's wrath laid on your sin on Jesus. So that on the cross, the billows of God's wrath roll on the lovely Son of God. Look at the brutal judgment of God falling on the perfect lamb. He's the only one in the flock. Look, please. He's the only one in the flock that's perfect. He was the sinless, perfect lamb of God. He lived for 33 and a half years, and he did so without sin. He fulfilled all righteousness so that he could be the sacrifice for our sin. And look, please, at the next verse, verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought 
as a what? Lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Look at the innocent, gentle, tender lamb being led to slaughter. Does the lamb, does that little tiny lamb that the priest had raised, does he know where he's going? No, he doesn't know, but our lamb did. He knew exactly where he was going. And still he did not open his mouth to defend himself. They say you're the Christ, thou sayest. Don't you hear what they say against you? He answers not a word. You ever wonder why Jesus all through Scripture is seen as the Lamb? Because it's an emphasis on the gentleness and tenderness of Jesus. We're living in a harsh world. Anybody else noticed lately? How many of you have watched the news in the last 24 hours? It's a hateful world, and it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Isn't it wonderful to know that in the midst of all that harshness, there is still a gentle Savior? That in the midst of all that hatefulness, there is still the perfect fulfillment of the love of Almighty God revealed to us in the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world? We're all like a bunch of sheep. So Jesus came and made himself as one of us. God became a man without ever ceasing to be God. He never stopped being God. Look, he's not 50-50. He's 100-100. He is all God and all man and the perfection of both. Jesus Christ laid aside the free expression of his glory and robed himself in humanity. He took on a body, look, flesh, just exactly like you have. He got tired and he got hungry and he got thirsty. He got wounded and he got hurt. But look, please, he did all of that without sin so that through his body on that tree he could pay for my sin and yours and the sins of the whole world and make a way that we could come to know God. I say again, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. When you come to Bethlehem, don't just look at the place, look at the person. And don't get stuck on the shepherds. Look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Turn your attention to Christ and understand who he is. He is God's perfect lamb. On top of Mount Moriah, when that ram caught on the thicket became the sacrifice for Isaac, watch this, it was a lamb For a man, one sacrifice for one man. Several hundred years later, God was bringing his people out of Egypt. You remember? In the book of Exodus, God told Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell every family. How many of you are seated with family today? Would you raise your hand seated with family? I love my family. You love your family. He said, here's what I want. Every family has to get its own lamb. They're going to kill that lamb, and they're going to take the blood, and they're going to put it on the, on the doorpost and on the lintel of the door. And when I see that blood, I will pass over you. Now, now, it's not a sacrifice for a man. Now, it's a sacrifice for a whole family. Then, when they get into Jerusalem and they have the temple, now God institutes the temple sacrifices where those lambs are being slaughtered day by day and the blood is running red in Jerusalem as a constant reminder of our sin and the only means of salvation as a foreshadow, a picture of the lamb that was to come. And now, now it's a sacrifice for a whole nation. Oh, but I love this. When Jesus came, he did not come as the lamb for just one person or the lamb for one family or praise God, the lamb for one nation. He came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the whole world. 
And I wonder this morning, do you really know the Lamb? I'm not asking if you know the Christmas story. I'm not asking if you can tell me facts about Christ. I'm asking, do you know him personally? And has the blood of Jesus Christ been applied to your life? This was my first time in Jerusalem. I've been privileged to be in Egypt and Jordan and some other Bible locations, but I'd never been in Jerusalem. And I must tell you, it was a... It was a heartwarming thing for me. It was special. Somebody said, you've never been there before? No, never been there before. But can I tell you, 41 years ago, 41 years ago, I met the Christ who went to that place. I hope to go back to Israel. We're already planning to take another group of people, and I, I look forward to it. But I may never get back there. Jesus may come before then. But the really great thing is not the location. It's the Lord of that place. And 41 years ago, somebody took a Bible like the one I've been preaching out of today and told me that though I was a sinner and didn't deserve it, that Jesus had paid the price for my sin. I was just a boy. I don't remember what I prayed. I don't remember the exact words. See, there's no magic formula to the words. That's, that's not it. It's, it's a matter of the heart. But I knew from my heart that day as a boy that I believed on Jesus Christ and I invited Christ to come into my life and forgive my sin. And bells didn't ring, lights didn't flash, I didn't feel funny all over, I didn't have some vision. But at that moment, I took God at his word and God kept his word. And that day, I came to know the Lamb. And 41 years later... <laughs> I feel like I'm just starting to get to know him and that I have so much more about him I want to know. And I'm starting to realize that my great responsibility now is not to preach sermons, not to just travel and, and do Christian things. No, no. My job is the same as John's job. It's to point everybody to him and say, look at him. Look at Jesus. Look to him in faith. Repent of your sin and believe on Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And I got good news. This is the good news of the gospel. Are you ready? That the Lamb who came to Bethlehem will come to you. And that the Christ who came to this sin-cursed world 2,000 years ago can still make a difference in our wicked world today. Behold the Lamb. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.